Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a Monday, December 20th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Flyers will be back in action coming up tomorrow. Just two games on the schedule this week. It'll be tomorrow night against the Washington Capitals at Wells Fargo Center, and it will be Thursday in Pittsburgh against the Penguins, who right now are streaking. How about the Pens? They've won six straight games. You know, the demise of the Penguins has been talked about for the last couple of years, but it's obviously been greatly exaggerated. They've won six straight games, or 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. But more importantly, tomorrow it's the Caps. They are 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10. They won their last game, and they're tied for the top spot in the Metropolitan Division right now. Obviously, around the NHL, lots of teams are pausing their seasons just uh, until after the Christmas break, and the Flyers will be back at it uh, coming up tomorrow night, presumably as with the NHL and NHLPA put out a joint statement earlier regarding the determination of how they're going to proceed here. And what it says is, we will continue, the NHL that is, will continue to play the 21-22 regular season schedule. And although there has been a recent increase in positive COVID test results among players, coaches, and hockey staff, there have been a low number of positive cases that have resulted in concerning symptoms and serious illness. Therefore, the NHLPAs and NHL's medical experts have determined that with virtually all players and club hockey staff fully vaccinated, the need to temporarily shut down individual teams should continue to be made on a case-by-case basis. The effects of the recently introduced enhanced prevention and detection measures will be evaluated daily. The NHL and NHLPA, along with their medical experts, will be monitoring not only the number and pattern of positive COVID results, but also the depth of club lineups, so as to ensure both the health and safety of the players and the integrity of league competition. So we'll see how this plays out. Obviously, things can change. The NHL also said, and and the PA, due to the concern about cross-border travel and given the fluid nature of federal travel restrictions effective on Monday, all games, that's today, all games involving a Canadian-based team playing a U.S.-based team from Monday, December 20th through the start of the holiday break on December 23rd will be postponed and rescheduled. Those additional postponements include, and then they list the games. Now, obviously, the Olympic uh, decision is going to be coming rather soon. They're expected to make a final decision on this, and I think it's probably the NHL uh, kind of waiting on the NHLPA or the players, if you will, to make the decision not to go. Uh, the NHL executives and owners agreed to let the players go, um, so they're not going to go back on what they agreed to. They're just going to presume that the players are going to make that decision, which looks like obviously the right decision, especially considering the quarantine requirements if you test positive over at the Olympics. So we'll see how this plays out. Obviously, it's a fluid situation. But to get into that, get into the last week of the Philadelphia Flyers schedule where they earned a possible five of six points against New Jersey, Montreal, and Ottawa. And a look ahead and a little segment of Ask Billy from NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. You read them daily. And he joins us right now. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I'm um, doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. And uh, I-, I was a little taken back. I was a little surprised at the statement that the NHL put out, uh, you know, kind of laying out their their plan for the expected coming days, if you will. And they said following several days of meetings with their respective medical experts and, and amid a cr- increasing positive test results and rising numbers of postponed games, the NHL and NHLPA today jointly announced the following and that they're basically going to push through here and handle things and teams on a case-by-case basis. I was a little surprised by that. I was too. I mean, it, it seemed it seemed to be heading in a you know 
in a pretty ominous direction. I, I think the one thing, you know, to keep in mind is that it, it is a fluid situation. Hopefully, hopefully they are able to keep pressing forward with games, you know, and uh, I, I think we're all expecting that the NHL and the PA will, you know, will, will pull out of the Olympics and they'll leave a little wiggle room to be able to reschedule games in, in case other games end up having to be postponed. But uh, yeah, I mean, for all the talk there been about a, a league-wide pause through uh, through the holidays, or just when people were saying even longer than that. I mean, it's it, it's positive news. Every, everybody wants to keep playing hockey. Uh, you know, I mean, they, they were pointing, as you said, the number of asymptomatic cases or, or mild cases. Because, I mean, one thing to keep in mind is that the players, by and large, are vaccinated. Yeah. So that that is that is a game changer in that if somebody does test positive. The, the most likely outcome is mild symptoms or in some cases, you know, being asymptomatic in many cases. So, you know, it, it's not the same situation as before, before the vaccine was widely available, before the players had it, that, that was, that was a different story. So I, I can see it, you know, and hopefully, uh, hopefully they're able to, to follow through on the plan. Cause I think that's what everybody wants. Yeah. I mean, the interesting thing too, is, you know, Steve Eiserman's a big figure in the NHL and in hockey and general manager now of the Detroit Red Wings. We know the stature he carried as a player, certainly as a GM in Tampa and now with the Red Wings. And what he came out and said, I was pretty, pretty shocked that he made it public, but um, he said, uh, I think I can, I can call the league and tell them, give them my opinion and they will take it into consideration. But I think we're going to act and make decisions based on the health of everyone involved for the health of society in general. And what he's basically saying, Bill is, Hey, if players aren't symptomatic, if they aren't sick, why are we testing them? Right. Because, and we don't know all the different angles of Omicron and, you know, the indications are early here that people that are vaccinated and certainly boosted are not getting very ill from it. And it's not, you know, this isn't March, 2020 with, you know, it, it killing people left and right and not a lot of therapeutics and, and the like. So I was surprised that, Steve Eiserman said that publicly. He caught a lot of backlash for it, and he caught a lot of people agreeing with him as well. Yeah, I mean that's uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm certainly not a, I'm certainly not an expert on virology or you know, or, or anything of like that. So, I, you know, I, I don't know, but I mean, it's just it just the from the optics of it, it it's that's kind of what it's that's kind of what it sounds like. It, it sounds like, you know, the purpose of getting the booster and the purpose of getting fully vaccinated in the first place is that not necessarily that prevents you from getting COVID or the variants, but that if you do get it, that it tends to be a milder case. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, when, when it was, uh, when it was the first time around, you know, again, not, none of that, you said the therapeutics of you have it. And uh, I mean, or, or just the duration, you know, what are the, what are the, the long-term implications? We're knowing a little bit more about that now. You know, as the medical, you know, as the medical data comes in. So, you know, I, I, I see that it's just, uh, you know, I said it just, it, it kind of, it kind of went opposite to what we were hearing a day or two ago. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, I mean, it, it, it's certainly, that's certainly for me is a, is a, a promising announcement. Hopefully they can just push on through there. It, you know, it's just, uh, and we just have to keep in mind that it is fluid and things, things can change. So, yeah, they, that's the thing through this since March of 2020, you know, if you report something on COVID, just wait 10 minutes and it'll change. (laughs) 
it, it can happen very quickly. Do you think part of the reason why they don't want to pause is because, you know, there's so many variables when you pause, you don't know when you're coming back. Are facilities closed during a pause and all of that stuff? Then you got to yeah. do, if it's substantial enough, you got to do another mini training camp. I mean, there's a lot of variables here and you see all these leagues pushing through. For sure. I, the, the one big variable to me is still border crossing. You know, um, how, how the Canadian government will proceed with it might be might very well continue to be different from the U.S. And then the, the you know, and then and then what does happen if, if that that aspect of travel gets uh, significantly affected? You know, I mean, they're they're already talking about, OK, nobody's crossing the border, um, you know, at least, you know, at least with a break here. So I don't know where all that's going to go. And, and what is what is the. Uh, you know, what is the contingency plan if that is significantly affected? Because I can't, you can't change divisions. You know, you know, mid mid season, you can't you can't go back to another format. So I don't I don't know how any of that would end up working. I honestly I don't think they know yet how that would end up working. That 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 uh, is one of the that that thing is one of the X factors here as to where things will end up going. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's talk about the game, the win over the Ottawa Senators when we last adjourned here on Flyers Daily. You and I. We said uh, the upcoming week, we always look at it. There were three games. It was against New Jersey, Montreal, and Ottawa. And we said the non-negotiable part was at least five out of six points, and that's how it played out. I didn't like how it played out yeah. because of the game in Montreal. But the the fact of the matter is it's still five of six points. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the that is the bottom line. Um, you know, they, you look at the game in Montreal. I mean, the first period was one of the worst periods the Flyers have you know, even even among their worst games this season, that first period was atrocious. They could not have been outplayed more by a team that's been struggling worse, right? They, I guess to their credit, after Carter Hart basically single-handedly kept it one nothing going the second period, um, really the first two periods of the second period were not very good either. They got they got hemmed in the first two shifts there, and then uh, then Willman scores, and that stabilized things. You know, it gave the team a jolt of energy, some emotion, and uh, it was a pretty even game thereafter. Um, I, I, you know, the, to actually take the one goal lead into the third period, and actually, I thought the Flyers were doing a pretty good job in the third period. I think they they held Montreal to four shots through about 12, 13, 14 minutes even in that period, um, and you know, and then it was kind of a broken play where they tied it up. Um, but you know, I, I, you, you've said, and I, I agree that, you know, a lot of times in hockey puck luck is, is really self-made, you know, uh, it started out with before the TV timeout, a shift where they got hemmed in, they started out in their own zone. You lose that face off, right. Uh, they get traffic to the net and it was a block shot by Travis Sanheim and it took a, a favorable bounce to Dauphin who scored, but all the things that led into it, all the little details were that weren't executed, led into led into the bounce. So that that was a little disappointing, and then to me the most disappointing part of that game before we you know before we move on to the uh, to the last game was that you had that four on three power play in overtime. Got us. I mean, if you don't score there, you got to really make uh, Primo stand on his head. They really didn't generate to me a single grade A chance in the entire four on three. That was disappointing. Yeah, the other part about that game was obviously the first period against Montreal. Yeah. And, and my big issue after the game, when, when I was doing Flyers Daily for the day after, my biggest issue was that, you know, not that Jackson Cates scored, not that Max Willman scored, but that they were your primary and only scorers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when that you needs get, to be supplemental. You get, yeah. 
when you get two goals out of out of role players, fourth line types, plus your goalie stands on his head the way that Carter Hart did, you need to win that game. Yeah, and you consider need, the opponent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, it really gets anything, but but a team like Montreal, and then you take the lead in the third period. You know, you'd like to add to that lead if you possibly can too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really thought that the top end of the lineup came up a little small in that game. Although, again, I think the team as a whole got, got better as the game went along. But, you know, you can't – I don't care who you're playing. You can't give away 20 minutes like that. You, you know, you can't yeah. – and, and uh, so it was it was a it was a pretty aggravating game in, in a lot of ways. But it was there to be won. So one point didn't really feel very good. And it's more – you know, you look at the totality of it. And then – you know, then the last game, Ottawa comes in, and Ottawa, although their record overall is not very good, they've been playing some pretty good hockey lately. So yep. that would that to me was a good test going in. Yeah, they beat some good teams recently. They beat Tampa, they beat Florida, they beat yeah. Carolina. They won five of their last seven. They their record was not indicative of the team they were last night. But the Flyers get it done. They get a little bit of that puck luck on their own side. I've never heard Tim Saunders or any announcer say that a player was trying to throw it to the point and it ended up back in the, in the back of the net on Faraday's goal. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, that, that was that was just a you know <laughs> we talk about talk about uh, self made puck luck there and could have come obviously at a better time right after they right after Ottawa goes ahead, yeah. you know. But uh, but we talked about the first period in Montreal. Well, this is a 180. Yeah. This was an outstanding first period, and this this reminded me. Uh, a little bit of that game the Flyers played against Washington, where that first period they played was pretty close to flawless, and they did take a two nothing lead, and then you know, and then less than four minutes in the second period, the lead's already gone, and that that was you know that was a bit of a downer. I mean, a little, little little bit aggravating that it that it dissipated that quickly. Mike, uh, you've talked to enough coaches, Bill, and I have as well, and I know a play like happened on that second goal that tied it the Yandel lackadaisical play in the neutral zone on the power play is one that will just anger a coach to no end. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we, we could, we could talk about Keith Yandel because it's a real concern. Yeah. And we, we all, you know, we all like Keith and, you know, he's played in several all-star games in the NHL. You know, he, he's earned, he's earned the career that he's had, but, you know, you go back to last season. Well, why did Joel Quenville scratch up in the playoffs, and why was he bought out after the season? You know, I think I think we after a very good training camp and a, a, that opening homestand, you know, Yanta struggled. He's really, really struggled. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's a guy you rely on first and foremost to produce points, particularly in the power play. They're not getting a lot of production, and he's really struggling defensively. And and yeah, that was a that was a a. I, that, that that play where he got and he he made a mistake right before that too yeah you know that that did not end up costing the team and it didn't end up as a goal and then get to get stripped of the neutral zone like that and you know guy solos for a breakaway goal I mean you don't you don't blame Jones on that one it uh, that was that was pretty aggravating to watch and the Flyers do have a problem with that I mean you know you, you want to see the player break the streak and I don't think there's someone to immediately call up. I don't think you know, I don't think York is quite ready, and and Zamula's had his ups and downs, but they have to think they have to think of some contingencies here because it is it's a concern. It's not as we're not just talking about a play or a game. It's been a been a you know it's been a pretty consistent struggle, and it is something that has to be addressed. I don't think that I don't think you can put a, a player's quest for a personal record 
above mm-hmm. the needs of a team. And that's, you know, it just it just is what it is, truthfully. Now, let me make this point. He's not going to have the record for long because after he no. breaks it, if he does, it, he's going he's gonna to come out of the lineup at some point here relatively yeah. soon. Yeah. And Phil Kessel's going to pass him. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, right there. I, you know, yeah, which which all all of that is true, and it you know I mean there's so many there's so many uh, X factors. It all takes is all takes is one positive COVID test, even asymptomatic, or one of those guys, mm-hmm. you know, and all, all of a sudden the streak is gone anyway. I mean it's you know yeah. it's that fragile, right? Uh, I mean I would I would personally you know on a sentimental level you'd love to see him be able to, to set the record and. No matter how long he holds it, and no matter how long he holds it, especially as a big defenseman, deal. yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a huge deal. Players, I mean, there's a reason why there's a reason why a thousand games in general, just a thousand games played, is a coveted mark in the league. Um, you know, it, it takes a tremendous amount of dedication, perseverance, and just uh, you know, being being a very smart hockey player. But at a certain point, when a player struggles long enough, you know, and uh, the team is the team's depth is a little compromised as it is right now. You have to put the team first. It's simple yeah. as that. Yeah, that that's this game is all about that. That's why when yeah. guys get the cup, they never say I. They always say we because yeah. it's about the team. And uh, yeah, right, he is struggling right now. Bill, let's talk about you know the the team right now. Despite the fact that they had the ten game winless streak, they're not that far out of this wild card race. They're four points back of Detroit. They're in a situation right now where. You know, they've beaten some good teams. They, like you just alluded to it, they beat Washington They on the road 2-1. to one. They beat Carolina 2-1 with two third-period goals. They've beaten Boston. They've beaten some really good teams in this league, Edmonton, Calgary. I mean, you're talking about teams that are all would be listed in the top 10 power rankings, in my opinion, yeah. in the NHL. Yeah. They have wins against them, but uh, they're kind of back in the mix here in this wild card. But how far of a step did they make this past week? in getting their game back. I know I think there was progress, maybe not as much as I had hoped, but it was definitely progress. Oh, for sure. I I mean, you know, go back to the the first period, last game against Ottawa. That if you play if you execute that way, I don't care who you're playing. Yeah. If they would have been playing against Tampa that night or, or you know, uh, or, or against um or against Florida or against any of the other top teams in the league, Washington, whoever, you'll probably win. If you, you know, or at least, at least, you know, if you can play that way over the majority of a game. So that, that was, that was really a significant step forward. Then it always has, that always has the step back that came right after that too. But I mean, you know, they, I, I thought one thing that Mike Yo said after the game was very interesting. The one of the things they're working on, obviously, is execution and game plan. The other part is how they handle adversity. Yeah. And I mean, part of the reason why they brought in all these guys who'd been captains elsewhere was, just that, right? Preventing that despair and chaos and that here we go again kind of feeling when when some uh, adversity steps sets in. I mean, la- you know, last game you, you couldn't have asked for a, you know they needed a quick response because it was getting late in the third period at that point, but they did. And and Joel Farabee said there was no panic on the bench when they did fall down a goal and they after leading you know much of the game or having been tied. I mean, they, they need more of that. And then obviously on the, the execution side of it too, because it seems that uh, it seems that when things get chaotic in their own end of the ice, they still have trouble stabilizing things sometimes. Yeah. Um, the energy has been better. Uh, you, you see segments of the game where you know, the puck support looks stronger. Um, the play in front, if there's a rebound in front, they're, they're back to usually getting the rebound cleared 
Um, the, you know, some of those backdoor kind of goals where the goalie has no chance. They've cleaned up. They cleaned up a bit of that. So there's been progress. Yeah. You know, but uh, it needs to be sustained. And when you're playing, when you're playing uh, teams that are coming up here, like like Washington in the next game, you can't have you can't have those periods where you're mm-hmm. the 20 minutes where you're hemmed in the whole time, and you can't ask, you know, you can't ask your goaltender. We don't know Carter's situation right now, but whether it's Carter Hart or or Martin Jones, you can't ask them to, uh, you know, to make 18 saves or 19 shots every period, and you know, use that as a strategy to win. That that can you can't sustain that. Yeah, one of the things coming up this week with Washington on Tuesday and Pittsburgh on Thursday. Pittsburgh's riding a six-game heater right now. Washington tied for the top spot in the division. So whatever progress they made, they're going to measure it this week. There's a measuring stick that's yeah. out this week, and you'll know exactly how much they've uh, kind of progressed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, tough, tougher opponents. You know, they you can only beat the team that's in front of you. These are these are tough tests again, and you know you you really need three out of four points. Yeah, so. that that's the situation. Let's get to some Ask Billy questions. I put out the uh, tweet and said. For today's uh, podcast, let's take some good questions for an Ask Billy edition uh, with Bill Meltzer. So here's a few for you, Bill. Let's start here. Uh, Bill Leonard tweets in and he says, hi, Jason and Bill. Hello, Bill. Uh, Do you expect the NHL to postpone games this week? Well, that part has already happened. Uh, Will the Flyers be able to practice if any of their games are postponed? Thanks and happy holidays to both of you and your families. Thanks for the happy holidays, Bill. Bill. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We don't know if a team is, is postponed. Will they be able to practice? I would presume no. I think we're seeing some of the practice facilities shuttered right now. It, uh, yeah, it all depends on a team's specific situation. If there's a if there's a widespread outbreak on a team, then they do shutter the practice facility and they can't practice during that time. Um, you know, and and we saw a little bit of that actually in the American League. You mm-hmm. know, the Phantoms had a bunch of games that were postponed, but it was because of other teams' situations. Uh, particularly Hershey's, because they had, I think, three of them with Hershey postponed. But because Cam York was the only, the only Phantom that was tested positive at that time, and he was, you know, he he was not with the team, they're able to keep on practicing. So I think it really depends on the team, the number of cases, you know, suspected cases or, or whatever. And uh, you know, as we were saying with the situation as a whole, it's fluid. I mean, you could have only one guy positive, and you seem to be in pretty good shape, and then, you know. Five days later, all of a sudden, you have seven cases. I mean, it, that can happen, or it can be, you know what, we're, we're we're still pretty stable here, and the facilities are still open. Obviously, everybody's going to break for, you know, over Christmas. So yeah, and maybe this comes at just the right time. I imagine players will be a little restricted on traveling back to sometimes to yeah out of country. Is, yeah, that's all part of the uh, the enhanced you know, protocol. So for you know for the day to day, I mean, you know the. I, I mean, we saw some of it even even last night, where the uh, post game press conferences is no longer live. It's back to Zoom. Uh, you know, they're wearing masks again. You know, all, I mean, all, a lot of the precautions are taken. And I think, I think also there there are restrictions on players going out for dinner in groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that was, that was part of it. There's, um, you know, all team holiday parties are, are canceled. I mean, all those things. It's. Uh, you know, not not quite as restrictive as it was. It's only it's only not nearly as restrictive as it was in the bubble, but it's uh, yeah, these are all part of these enhanced measures to try to mitigate it. Yeah, well, we'll see how it plays out. Nick D tweets in for Ask Billy and says, with Sanheim's recent uptick in play, would you consider pairing him with Ellis 
and risk aligning with Provorov once Ellis comes back. I I would not. I, I would keep not. sit. I'm not messing yeah. with something that's working. Yeah. For, first of all, yeah. First of all, one of the things that that Ivan Provorov thrives on is predictability of his partner. Yep. He you know he always knows where Ellis is going to be. Ellis puts the puck where I mean those two are developing good chemistry, and I like the chemistry that Ristolainen and Sandheim have yep. worked out with one another. And to me, it's become a pretty effective pairing. I mean, both guys have strengths. Both guys have, you know, some areas in their game. They, they could still improve even at this point in their career. But I think that they work pretty well together. And to me, it's a second pairing. That's a really good second pairing. I, I want, you know, I want the Provorov and Ellis pair once Ellis gets back, hopefully when he gets back and stays healthy. And then I think everybody's slotted better, at least in your top four. Then you figure out your third pair. Yeah. Ristolainen made two incredible plays this week. He had he some did. points this yeah. week, but the New Jersey game, the yeah. two-on-one late in the period was a really good play. And then I, I think it was the Ottawa game. He saved a goal. He saved a goal. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, yeah, absolutely. He broke up that two-on-one. I think it was uh, – was it Ennis, I think? Yeah, Tyler Ennis. Yeah. And Ennis, Ennis had a, would have had a half an inch to shoot it into. Yeah. And then he uh, – yeah, he prevented the goal there. And then the, the, the two-on-one – uh, he was actually initially caught up ice himself, but he got back. So it, uh, yeah, that that uh, you know that, and, and he can do those kind of things. You know, he doesn't just mm-hmm. give you the hits; he gives you a little bit of playoff ice. He can, you know, I mean, he's good. There are going to be times when he's caught out of position because he is. He can be over aggressive at times. You know, he doesn't always take the best angle in his check. So th- those are just, you know, those are things that, you know, which is why he's not a first pair defenseman. Yeah. But I think he's very good in that second pair, and I, you know, I. I I guess we're all still hoping that Ellis gets back, but I would I would I would keep the stability of those those top two pairs. Yeah, I have something. I it's a known commodity with the two of them, and Risto doesn't. I have not seen him shy away from finishing a check in no. a long time, maybe ever. <laughs> He's been uh, very physical, and it's not coming at a cost. Um, Chris Mayer tweets in and says, "For Ask Billy, we've heard Mike Yo talk about how he wants the team to play and put it all together." When do you think we'll see it come together? He said they've had some great squirts of play. I think he meant spurts, but in recent games, it definitely seems like they are putting pieces of the puzzle together. Hashtag ask Billy. Bill? Yeah. I mean, we were we were just kind of talking about that. We've seen a period here, a stretch, you know, a stretch of a stretch of a period there, a few shifts where it looks like the pieces are coming together. Um, you know, I when will they put it all together? I mean uh, we've been asking that all season. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I want to see, you know, you, you need to see some consistency, really. It really comes, kind of comes one piece at a time. And then listen, it's a rare game where everything is clicking. You know, I, you don't expect perfection. You know, there are going to be some periods where the other side gets the better of it. You know, you try to limit the damage in those periods. Um, one thing the Flyers have certainly done better lately is they've, they got themselves during the losing streak, um, like the like the game against the game against Carolina, where they actually had a couple of leads early in that game. Get, staying away from those crooked number periods, just where they kind of stopped competing. I mean, a, a lot of that is you know, you, you know, just handling the adversity and, and bouncing back into shape because it's uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be things that happen. Or of course, the game not you're not gonna always you're not gonna always dictate. It's not gonna always go your way. So these are all things that they're they are working on, um, you know. Hopefully, hopefully they can get more things working than not. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Jason, 
Have you noticed that uh, after the power play seemed to be coming back together again, it's not been very good again the last yeah. couple of games. Yeah. It, it has not been effective in even generating, you know, opportunities which yeah. can generate momentum in a game. And it has not, we saw those three power play goals, two in the one game and then uh, one in the, the game after that. And it's looking kind of foul again. And, and that's something that has to get going. They absolutely, I mean, you're not going to go anywhere without having good special teams. You know, you can have average special teams, but you can't have one of the special teams in a, an important one in power play be hideous. Yeah. And you, you're not generally going to be a playoff team if you're, I mean, the, the first coach, and I know other coaches have done it, but the first coach I ever heard talk about the special teams index number was Ken Hitchcock. Yep. And uh, he, he was saying that that was true then and it's true now. If you have a number that's below 100, you're in trouble. Yeah. And obviously the, the the further above 100 like 105 is a really good number, you know. I mean the Flyers are the Flyers are not at that 100, right? Even though even though the PK is well over 80, you know, it's uh so the PK is much improved. The power play came in I think about 16 16 and a half. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you if you can't get the so 100 is basically the break even point where one cancels out the other. You know, and then you can win games at five on five if you're a good five on five team. You know, that that to me is, is something that uh, I'd like to see them strive towards as, as you get a little work towards the second half of the season. You know, I, I think that that uh, that would bode well if they could do that. And there's there's work to do to get there. Yeah, absolutely. You think they have some pieces that they had, certainly have offensive talent enough to not be where they are. That's for sure. For sure. Uh, Bob Haynes Jr. tweets in, and he has two questions. He's, number one, have they switched to a one-two-two? He said, "I'm pretty sure I see that structure quite a bit lately." Um, he said, "I feel that turnover transition game better suits our forwards." I'm not seeing any one-two-two in the offensive zone. Neutral zone, uh, yeah. yeah, they've Neutral run that for zone, years, yeah. though. Yeah, which was which is exactly right. Now they've been good at forcing that. That has been a definite area of improvement. They've been yep. forcing some turnovers in the neutral zone. Um, and uh, the gaps have been better in general, but not in the offenses though. They're they're still they're still trying to run. You know, they, to get the F two in there is uh, you know first guy first guy creates the pressure, second guy goes for the puck. Yeah. So that 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 is not that is not fundamentally changed, and it's hard to do that in a couple practices anyway. That's a pretty significant system change. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to take some time. The other part of it for Mike Yo is you know just philosophically what he wants the yeah. players to do. Sure. Just because he worked under AV, I've made this point a couple of times, doesn't mean he had shared belief systems. AV was his boss. So right. he coached his belief system. But now Mike Yo's, as Chuck Fletcher said, has got his hands on the wheel. Bob's uh, second question, he says, why do they get into stretches where every pass is a stretch pass? Once they spread out, the opponent dominates. Um, you know, it, the stretch pass I thought was more, way more prevalent in the beginning of the season with Ryan Ellis and defective at that yeah. time. Yeah. I think now, you know, they don't have that great first pass out of the zone. Ellis can make that six foot pass, eight foot pass, or really stretch it. They don't have that guy right now. No. And I'm one of the things they've been emphasizing is that five to 10 foot pass. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, when they've had some effective stretches getting out of their own end of the ice, it's because, hey, nobody's, you know, nobody's blowing the zone. But also because, because when the Flyers get in trouble, a lot of times they'll have a, they'll have a forward or a winger who's, who's above the puck and the defenseman can't get it to him up the boards and it, it gets held in or, or if it even does get to the winger, he's stationary. So he's taken right off the puck. And, you know, I, the, I see that more than failed stretch passes, you know, as uh, I, I think they've been, 
you know, now if it's there, obviously, if you know, you have, um, if they turn over a puck and, uh, you know, you catch them in a change or something, then, then you go for the stretch pass. And they've actually, they've actually, some of those have worked actually, but I don't, I don't think it's something they're trying to employ as a as strategy. I think they're actually trying to, to simplify things, if anything. Yeah. And to come up the ice as that five man unit and attack that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, Mike D. Gennaro <laughs> tweets in and says, I have a feeling the Flyers will be threatening for a playoff spot around the trade deadline. If that happens, will the Flyers trade G before the deadline? If they're not, if they're right in the mix. No, I I know. Unless the Flyers are a long shot for, you know, for a wild card spot. No, I I don't think he goes anywhere. Yeah. I I don't think so either. I mean, they're going to try and they push a lot of chips in this off season. They're if they're right there and kind of knocking on it, I don't think that they're going to move their best player. And he has been their best player. Absolutely. And uh, congratulations to Claude also for, tying Bill Barber second in franchise history and points. That was a pretty major milestone. And uh, obviously the next one, next one will put him in sole possession. Next assist will be number 600. So I don't think anyone's cat- catching Clarkie, but that's uh, that, that's a pretty, pretty big deal. And congratulations. Cause that's a tremendous accomplishment. Yeah. 1,210 points for Clarkie, right? Yeah. Yes. That, that's a ways away. I'm going to have to turn back the clock on Claude to get, get back to 24 years old to catch that one. But <laughs> You know, it's funny. He's uh, knocking on the door now, getting close to a thousand games. And Bill, as luck would have it, if he gets to a thousand games as a flyer and doesn't miss any between now and then, it would be at home on March thirteenth against the Montreal Canadiens. Wow, that that that'd be that'd be pretty cool. And that's uh, you know, that thousand game milestone. No matter how many teams you played for, you know, that's uh, that's a big deal. Not many players league-wide get to it all with the same team, and mm. it would become a club of two. I mean, and for all the good players who have passed through Philadelphia over the years, Clarkie's the only one who's played a thousand games, thousand plus. He's played well over. He played well over a thousand, but uh, the only the only flyer who's done it. So for Giroud to get to a thousand games, also, I mean that 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 speaks a whole lot. It speaks to his durability, and it speaks to what he's meant to the team. Bill, the way he's played this year, it doesn't make you. If there's any pause in him re-signing, does it change because of the way he's played this year? He's been so good for the team. He's been their most consistent player. He hasn't been flawless. Yeah, None of them have. But, I mean, he still looks like he's got a lot of hockey left in the tank. Yeah, I, you know, I, and, I mean, part of the whole thing to determine, right, is, uh, is cap and term. And term might be more important than cap, actually, at this mm-hmm. point. So, you know, I, I – I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you do have to seriously consider it. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is, would he be willing to trade a little bit of cap for term, particularly because the cap's going to be still be flat? If he does want to try to win here, you have to have some flexibility to go out and you know put pieces around him, continue to. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think it all depends on you know where where their collective heads are at, at by the end of the year. But I think you have to, I think you have to at least play it through and talk about it for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Eric Soy tweets in and says, hashtag ask Billy after 400 games in while still young, is it fair to say Provi is not and will not be a number one D man that most projected? This is an interesting question because right now we've talked about this bill. He's been extremely partner dependent to be a top level D man. The way he's played so far this season without Ellis on a really good team to me, looks like a number three. 
other than the minutes played. Yeah, and, and you can even go back to last season too, where it yep. was, you know, and you know, but he did, and he said it's been partner dependent, right? Although, I mean, this his second NHL season, which was a really good season, it was a 2017-18 season. He was with Andrew McDonald all year, and he had a hell of a year. But uh, you know, I so. And McDonald, for all the beating that he took, and I don't even want to get into debating Andrew McDonald, but the one the one thing he had with McDonald was, you know, where I said that he relies a lot on uh, on uh, predictability with a partner, and you know, I mean, he he knew how, he knew how to play with the guy. That that was it. They, you know, they they communicated well. They seemed to work together as as a, as a pairing pretty well. But but overall, when you know, Pro Raw was with Niskanen. Um, that little bit of time, I mean, they that little bit of time with uh, Ellis so far this year, I, I do think that having a partner, a high end partner, has meant a lot to him. But when you have a true number one defenseman, you know, a true league wide, any team, he's a number one or even a number two, you know, he can play with just about anybody. You know, it's uh, think think of a Kimo Timonen or you know a Pronger; those are true number one defensemen, yeah. right? Desjardins. Um, and Desjardins might not have been a Norris Trophy defenseman, but he was that next step down the all, the you know, all star kind of defenseman. You know, I I think that I think what Provorov brings you though is that he's above average in most areas of the game, right? He's uh, he's not an elite speedster, but he skate his skating is above average. Yeah, you know, he's as a defender, he's above average. Um, you know. Maybe he's not an elite. He's certainly he's certainly not an elite power play guy, but he can play on the power play. Mm-hmm. He can kill penalties for you. Uh, he has yet to miss a game in his career, right? He, he and because he's in such phenomenal physical condition, if he needs twenty five minutes, he'll give you twenty five minutes, and then even if you're playing a back to back, you could go. I'll give you twenty five the next night too. Yeah, that doesn't grow on trees. You know, that's yeah. a that's a pretty special player who, you know, I, I think. Um, now, is he ever going to be that? 60 plus point guy maybe not maybe even probably not is he going to be an elite shutdown defenseman maybe not right but i i think um so i would categorize him more as a 1a 1b or a 2 mm-hmm. but they don't, they don't have they don't have that number one that would make him you know that would make him a true number two um they're kind of going for the 1a 1b thing with uh with ellis right yeah and uh so i don't you know, I, do I foresee Provorov as, as being a Norris Trophy candidate? He hasn't shown it, right, to where to that level where there were truly elite defensemen like Shea Weber was in his prime. Weber just the first name that came to mind. <laughs> Hedman type, yeah. Hedman Hedman's a better comparative player just because you know it's it's uh, both left-handed, both you know kind of bigger guys and, and whatever. But you know, I, yeah, exactly. And he's not a, he's not at that level, but he you know, but he's a very good player. And uh, you know, if you if he has the right cast around him, I think I think you're fine with him on your first pair. Whether you know whether he's a true number one or not, maybe not. Yeah. Um, again, I'd love to see him become a little less partner dependent. But then yeah. again, when you've had Justin Braun, who did a great job, it was very good yeah. filling in. But that that's not going to last forever. And then, yeah. you know, you've had Sandheim, he had Ristolainen, he had Nick Sealer. That's that's just not a great recipe for a defenseman you need that continuity and partner as well and you didn't have it last year anyway <laughs> no for sure for sure that was a that was a revolving door 
I mean, they gave him Gustafson at points last year. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> which was hideous. <laughs> um, last thing for you, Bill. Uh, on this day at taping on Sunday, the mighty Metallica turns 40 years old. The Black Album just turned 30 this past year. I feel so old because I remember <laughs> when it came out. I remember when Master Puppets came out. Yes. And a guy who drove me to school when I went to Malvern Prep, Matt Lannan, another hockey player there, used to pick me up and drive me. He was the one that introduced me to Metallica during, even before Master came out, Ride the Lightning in like 84. Yeah, yeah. So in light of that, I'm going to put you on the spot because I know you're a Metallica fan. You've seen them live. I've seen them over 70 times. Um, give me your top three Metallica songs off any wow. album, anything. It could be a cover song as well. You can, you know, you can go with an Am I Evil or something like yeah, that. Well, I, I actually, yeah, I actually heard Am I Evil today. And I, th I think their version is better than Diamond Head's version. But, totally agree. <laughs> but uh, but, uh, but uh, my, my top three, uh, always love Four Horsemen. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, uh, let's see. Um, I love the breakdown section in the Four Horsemen. That yes, yeah, it, oh, it yeah. just breaks sure. down. Just you know, it's so good. Great, great song. That's my favorite song off Kill 'Em All. Yes, yes. Well, they, I, what a great debut album that was. Anyway, that was yeah. a, you know, just a phenomenal debut album. Let's see, um, Master Puppets, unbelievable song, mm -hmm. and that one. I, I, you know, one has to be able to, and you know, if I kept going, I might knock something off of there, but that, that's a pretty good top three. I could listen to those three anytime. What's your favorite album? Favorite album, actually. Um, uh, well, I, I most recently listened to Ride the Lightning, so I'll go with that. <laughs> okay. I just, if you would have said reload, I would have, uh, just edited no. that out <laughs> no, no. or saying no, anger. Uh, yeah. You know, um, you know, and I, and I, listen, I love the black album too. I guess it's just mm -hmm. because it was our most commercial album and all that. But I mean, I, you know, that's a phenomenal album too, but I, I like, I tend to gravitate more towards the early stuff. So yeah, I do as well. I mean, if, if I'm looking for my three top creeping death is in there, love that from ride the yeah, lightning, just such a, just ferocious song. I love disposable heroes yep. from, the master album i love master puppets too. that song leper messiah that whole album's great yeah, well welcome home sanitarium that's another yep. great song and then yep. a little off the beaten path one from my favorite album it's actually injustice for all and my favorite song from that album is dyer's eve the last track on the album oh wow uh, that's a good call yeah it's a yeah, ferocious it's i love harvester and i love black harvester, yeah that's another great one yeah yeah it's just so much great music that they provided and it's kind of the soundtrack to hockey <laughs> oh for sure. for sure so it's yeah i mean i you know I, there's actually when they had the uh the temporary metallica channel and i'm serious and my wife is also a metallica fan mm -hmm. but she got to a point where okay can we listen to something else and i was like no as long as this channel is here it is staying right there yeah so, it's so good i never it never gets old for me uh but hey this is awesome bill thanks for the top three songs thanks for the top album congrats to metallica on 40 years give us 40 more boys uh, it's just been phenomenal. And thank everybody for listening. We appreciate it, as always, here on Flyers Daily. Another brand new episode coming up tomorrow. We will preview the Flyers and the Caps. Everybody, have a great Monday. It's uh, Christmas week. And we'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Flyers Daily.